Hurry up. Let's go. Hurry up, Amelia. We got to go. We got to go. Okay, I'm coming. Hi, I'm Cam, holistic health coach, mom to two humans and four pets. Hi, I'm Amelia, laboratory scientist by day and food scientist by night. Welcome to our show. Join us as we share our holistic approach to life after 50. You can expect real life stories with a dash of humor and a ton of truth. If it happens in midlife, we're going to talk about it. So hit that subscribe button and follow along. We're the Midlife Mamas. <laughs> Welcome to the anatomy of hurry. <laughs> yes, it's a constant in our lives, right? We're always feeling rushed and we rush other people along the way, don't we? Oh, yeah. I totally remember when the kids were little and I was teaching school, pushing them out the door in the morning, pushing them every every direction just to make life flow better. And really, there was no peace <laughs> at all. I, I totally agree. And it's so weird that children don't have that sense, that cultural expectation of hurry. Everything is a wonder. Like they're, they're so in awe of new things that they don't see a need to rush. And I just find that fascinating. But it's very hard to live by because our culture expects us to jump from one thing to the next. I totally do that. I, I, I remember those days vividly and it's I, no, thank you. <laughs> I agree. And the fact is um, with my kids, I was always the afternoon parent. And so my husband was the morning parent and my husband isn't quite the, the hurrier that I am, but I was always a wreck when I had to be the morning parent, like when he was gone on a trip and I had to get the kids ready, it, I mean, literally Cam, my stomach would hurt by the time I got to work. Right. And I just remember such chaos. I don't, I was in a bundle of stress the whole time. I'm pretty sure (laughs) my cortisol must have been crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So we know the anatomy of hurry. A lot of that reasoning is about cultural expectations. There's in our culture today, in the 21st century, there is so much expectation to get a lot done. We are, have information at our fingertips. Our phones are always on. We're always like listening for the bing, the ding of the email coming in or the calendar reminder, but it hasn't always been like that. So what do you think has changed and why do we always feel like we're in a hurry? You know, I think I think it is our culture that we get instant answers. If we want to look something up, we get on Dr. Google and we find the answer and versus going to the library and getting the encyclopedia out. I mean, it's just different, right? Uh, we get information so much faster now. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, it makes me sad a little bit, Cam, that we are enjoying life and being present. And we've touched on this idea so many times on different episodes of the podcast, but um, I think we, we're we living a little bit of a lie if we think this is the way it has to be. I, I totally agree. Trying to live the quote unquote perfect life, doing all the things, work, home, kids, yard, pets, <laughs> husbands, all of the things. And we're living a lie because we're not present to what we're doing, I think. No, I totally agree. So let's talk about one of the biggest lies of all that we all think we have to do, which is multitasking. Yeah. So I hung up my multitasking, I don't know, in my late 40s, early 50s, because I just, my brain couldn't handle it. I was probably perimenopause. And then once I hit menopause after the hysterectomy, it was game over. Like my brain could literally only hold one piece of knowledge at a time. And that was it. How about you? 
Same. I mean, I think mine got progressively wor- worse in a different way because I didn't ha- I didn't go into surgical menopause immediately. But trying to multitask gives me anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I tend to leave steps out or I forget items like I'll run out the door trying to um, respond to a text and check my calendar and I forget my coffee or my water bottle. So I too have had that experience, but it's been a little bit different. And unfortunately, Cam, I'm not the best at stopping the multitasking. I have to be very intentional about saying, okay, I'm doing this right now. Let the other things go. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. My business coach talks it. And, and you know, when you're running your own business, you have a million opportunities, a million choices. And he's always talking about building one bridge at a time. And I was like, oh, that resonates with me because that's exactly what I need to do. I need to do one thing at a time in life and everything. <laughs> I'm going to, if I'm going to start the, unloading the dishwasher, I'm going to finish unloading the dishwasher instead of responding to something else, the dog or, you know, whatever it is, right? <clears throat> right, exactly. And isn't there some studies or statistics about what you lose when you try to multitask? Oh, there's so many, there's so much data out there. You can lose anywhere from 23 minutes to 40% of your productivity every time you switch gears. And we're not like talking about big gears. Like, let's say you're working on your computer, and you're working on a project, you're researching such something like that, and then you switch to do your email. It takes your brain time to get back to what you originally were doing. So every time you switch, every time you look at your phone or check your email or whatever it is, you're losing precious time. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Right. And before we hit record, we both mentioned people in our lives who put do not disturb notifications on their phones or their emails when they're working on projects. And I think my daughter does this too. I know yours does so that they can stay focused. And I just applaud people that have the tenacity and the, um, what do you call it? Not willpower, uh, discipline, I guess, to do that. Okay. I got a message from a girlfriend last night. She's 31. So she's not in our midlife situation, but she bought a lock box for her phone, like a box that you put your phone in and it locks it until a certain amount of time, like a physical box. And I was like, Oh my goodness. So, I mean, it, it's all cultures, I guess all age brackets is what I meant to say. You know, she realizes that her phone is like sucking her life away. <laughs> and so she bought a box yeah. on prime day for it. <sighs> That's hilarious. I've not heard any go to quite that extreme, but I'm, I'm very impressed. And I will, cause I carry two phones, one for work and one for personal. And especially if I've had a long day at work, I will intentionally leave my work phone in my bag of my, with my computer and notebook and so forth and not pick it up because our company culture is that when you're not at work, don't do work things. And so that's really nice because there's a lot of companies for which, you know, you're expected to be on basically 24 seven. So I feel very fortunate that that's not the expectation for me. Oh yeah, that's great. I I wanted to mention something about the brain too. Like I, me personally, when I have a lot of stress going on, my brain works less and then multitasking is not even, even a choice. I can always tell when I have too much on my plate, when I feel that way, do you experience anything like that? Yeah, I feel like my brain operates at a lower uh, bandwidth or lower <laughs> capacity yeah. because part of my brain is stre- is the stress mechanism of saying, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this got this has to get done." So I have to really focus and you know do those self talk, self care tactics of you know reassuring myself that it's going to be okay because it always is. It always turns out okay, even if it's not the outcome I wanted 
ultimately, I'm always able to cope with the next step. I totally agree. I feel like I'm a problem solver to my core. And when I see a problem, I know how to solve it, get to A to B quickly. And I think I get distracted by that sometimes. And you have to like mentally say, nope, I'm going to finish this thing before I go look at that thing. You know, yeah, it it takes practice. It really does. But there's a lot of things in our culture, a lot of things that we deal with. We've touched on a couple of them already. But what are some other things you can think of that make us feel like we need to hurry? Well, traffic, (laughs) you're commuting to work. How does that feel these days? Yeah, it's actually pretty good. Um, My commute itself is not bad, but I actually left work one day this week and I had a nail appointment. It was at a salon I wasn't familiar with because I'm going to a wedding this weekend, blah, blah, blah. Anywho, um, navigating in a place I wasn't completely familiar with and I cut it kind of close. I got stressed. I got to tell you. So traffic for sure is a factor for me in my everyday life. Do you ever have to deal with that? And and how do, how do you deal with it? So I try just to, yes, I do deal with traffic. Um, our intersection off the highway is a complete disaster. They're making, I don't know, roundabouts and weird exits and it is a disaster. And uh, a ton of semis get off at our exit, which I'm not really sure why. So we have that. And when it happens, and sometimes it's backed up onto the highway, I just have to say, be patient, listen to music, enjoy the sunshine. Like I have to talk myself off the edge because traffic is a pain. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. And I do. I use the exact same tactics. Um, Another thing for me and probably for you as well, Cam, are deadlines, whether they're, you know, most of the time they're work related, but, and I do actually function really well when I have a deadline, having no deadline at all makes me procrastinate a little bit, but deadlines, the closer they get, if, you know, sudden things come up that need your attention, they can be very stressful and feel like, oh my gosh, I need to hurry through this task because it's due at X time. Do you, are you good at like spacing it out? If you have a deadline in the future, are you good about spacing your your work out or? Yeah. Okay. That's great. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. So, so some of our 2023 planning is, has, we started on it like mm, three weeks ago and we're getting, it's getting more and more refined. So I'm definitely good because I'm working with a team and usually I'm the first one to tackle my piece of the project. Mm -hmm. So I would say yes. And I don't think, you know, when I say I procrastinate without a deadline, most of the time that's with tasks or projects that I don't feel an expert in or like, I'm not sure what the next step is, but as long as I have a clear path forward, I definitely am good at monitoring my time and planning for that deadline. That's awesome. Yeah. Appointments is another thing. I had an appointment this morning and uh, I was good. I arrived like eight minutes early. I thought that was good. You never know about morning traffic. So, um, and you mentioned your nail salon. Has there been a time where you felt super stressed out because of an appointment or maybe you were late because of traffic? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, the older we, well, I shouldn't say the older we get, cause I honestly, Cam, don't have a lot of doctor's appointment, but you know, I get a massage regularly. I get a haircut. So I have things that are regular in my life. And occasionally the provider of that service isn't available at the most convenient time for me. So I may have to leave work a little bit early or arrive at work a little bit late to meet those appointments. And those are kind of my minimums. Like I don't, you know, unless it's absolutely necessary, I don't cancel them. So those appointments, while the appointment itself is not stressful, 
wanting to and needing to meet it may impose stress and hurry in another aspect of my life. So, so it definitely happens. Yes, yeah. totally understand what you're saying. Yes. Like for today, example, I had a chiropractor appointment at 9 a.m. And in the meantime, we're remodeling. So the electrician, the drywaller, and the HVAC people all wanted to be here this morning, which meant it was all on Dan's hands because I wasn't home for an hour. And yeah, it's stressful. It felt very stressful. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it did. And, you know, kind of along with um, what we were just saying about appointments, work pressure in general, and I have found that the work environment, and I know it might be different for you because you work for yourself, but for me in an office space, um, the work pressure can come and based on inaccurate assumptions. And I'll give you an example. So I work on a team of four people and we may get an instruction from um, a higher up person, like a vice president or a director. And it may be that I heard it in one way and a coworker heard it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And when I hear the way that other person interpreted the instruction or the deadline, I didn't interpret that way. And then it makes me stressed or feel like I need to hurry based on their interpretation. So I've also found that as far as work pressure goes, I have to be, I have to clarify that for myself and not just take someone else's interpretation of the direction. So I don't know if other people have those concerns or not, but it's worth investigating. Is this real? Because we've talked about it before. You can't always trust assumptions. Right, exactly. And take your thoughts to court. Did you just make this up? <laughs> like, what are you right, thinking? Right, exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, other people may not be as intuitive with their own thoughts. So take their t- thoughts to court for your own interpretation. Like, if you're like, hmm, I didn't interpret it that way, maybe I should ask the boss what is meant by this direction so that I do it right and on time without, you know, doing a crappy job. Yeah, that's exactly what don't make assumptions is for the fourth agreement. Or yeah, it's one of the four agreements is asking questions. So you don't you're, you're not left wondering, you know, the answer because you've asked the questions and you come you've come to an understanding for sure. As far as my work pressure, I put it on myself and (laughs) that's kind of ridiculous. And I'm always checking myself going, you know, exactly what, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And then I feel like sometimes the pressure of doing it and I'm the one that set the deadline to begin with. It's just really silly. (laughs) No, I think, I think for driven people, Cam, this is very common. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you establish this work pressure on yourself, you almost forget that it's self-imposed. So, you know, you don't want to leave other people. You don't want to let other people down. And I'm the same exact way. And I'm that way with social commitments. Like if I tell you I'm going to be there or I'm going to do something, I'm not going to not do it, it, even if it's inconvenient. So I think, honestly, I have to admit my view of that sort of pressure is kind of a sign of integrity that you you're true to your word, but you know, you have to look as much as you can at the situation. And if something really important has come up, maybe you need to shift your priorities a little bit, but it's, uh, it's up to us all as individuals to determine what that looks like. I totally agree. It's a, it's a, it's a thing of integrity, you know, doing what you say you're going to do. And that's another agreement. And we just keep hitting them all today. I mean, right, right. I know, right. That's so true. true. But you know, even though everyone, everyone, our culture, we put pressure on ourselves to hurry, but there are some things we can do about it, right? Oh yeah. My favorite is time cushioning. And that just is simply allowing time before and after things and don't jam things up right next to each other. 
Um, it's just, why not be peaceful? Why not enjoy the process versus hurrying through and not even paying attention to what you're doing? Um, so that's my favorite. What about you? I'm not as good at that as you are. Probably my favorite thing currently, and this is learned, is realizing that I can say no to social invitations. And when I get a meeting request from a colleague at work, if it is truly jammed up against something else, I can actually suggest a new time to meet because people do it to me all the time. So realizing that Mm -hmm. I don't have to accept that meeting invitation and say, yes, I want to meet with you, but can we do it 30 minutes later or on a different day? That's been a really important and very liberating thing for me to learn. Right. And so I I saw this quote the other day and I'm going to mess it up. It was like, my no is a boundary for my yes or something like that. You're saying... Yeah, I think that's it. So you're saying yes to yourself. And you're saying, like, if you had two meetings jammed up next to each other, there's no time cushioning, and your stress is going to be crazy. And are you going to be able to be fully present for both things? And the answer is probably no. (laughs) Right, exactly. I, I agree. And I try sometimes it's unavoidable. But you know, having authority over your own self, your decisions and your time. It's just something we can't abdicate. It's something we can't give away because that makes us feel out of control and that makes us feel like we have to hurry more. And I can't stress that enough to be present and to advocate for yourself. And I think that's what it reminds me of when the kids were little and we were going to soccer practice and wrestling practice and trying to do dinner and like all the things and trying to do dinner and sit down. And like, that was important to me. I don't know if I was just trying to have the perfect life. I don't I'm not really sure. I haven't analyzed that yet, but it was not enjoyable because we were hurrying so much from A to B to Z. You know, one thing I've learned recently in the last six months, Cam, I'm on a church committee and we meet once a month and it's at like six or six thirty in the evening. And I love to cook and I love to have dinner with my husband. But when I I can't get from work to home, eat dinner and get to the church meeting by the designated time. So I've started stopping at Whole Foods, getting something to eat in the car and telling my husband, you know, you're on your own, or maybe I make him a wrap sandwich the night before or whatever, but just kind of that it's one day of the month actually. So I don't have Mm -hmm. to hurry home and do all these things and I'm not eating late. So sometimes there's tactics that if you just kind of think, is there a different way that might not be the normal way we do things, but it'll make this easier and not so hurried. I mean, I think that's beautiful. And it also has time cushioning. Yeah, you're right. I think that, you know, I think that's it. You have to think about midlife things, all things in a different light in a different way. And that's a beautiful way to look at it. Okay, so it's one night a month I'm not eating with my husband or cooking for him. So what else can I do instead? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so one of the things on our list is something you've taught me, and I love this. It's kind of um, like chunking your time or combining errands that go to the same part of town. Tell us about that. Yeah. So when I run errands, I just try, what else do I need to do in that area? If it's like physical or if I'm doing stuff at home, you know, um, for example, we're in this remodel and there's some random things. So these random things need to be organized where they go in the garage. So I get a pile of them and then I go to the garage and I sort them and put them back where they go. Instead of doing it one at a time, if that makes sense, I just kind of chunk them all together. Yeah. And then I finish it. That is um, in the, in the business world, Cam, we like to talk about lean processes and lean may be an Mm. acronym. I'm not even sure anymore, but it basically reduces the trips. If you did like, I've, I've seen this done 
with maps where you have, uh, and in the home, it could be your dishwasher and your uh, clothes washer and w- your vacuum or whatever. And to decrease the number of steps, you go to one area and do everything in that area before moving on to another. And that's just smart. I mean, that's just time savings and, and it keeps you from running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Yeah, because then I would get ADD and distracted and then I would be doing something else and then I would lose 42% of my <laughs> productivity time. Yeah. I also I like I, I put things at the top of the steps that need to go down. So the next person that goes down, hopefully they see it and they take it and they put it where it goes. Anyway. <laughs> I, I had a friend when I was growing up who was one of nine children. And that's what her mom did with laundry. Like each kid had a pile <laughs> on the steps and you just picked up your pile. So I think that's brilliant. But the other thing I wanted to me- mention, you mentioned ADHD, which is kind of funny, but I think this hurried lifestyle and trying to multitask has made a lot of us who weren't ADAD, ADHD kids, maybe we gravitate to some of those tendencies as adults. And I don't think our brain is broken. It's just the way our culture runs and it kind of messes us up. I was self-diagnosed by myself. I decided that that's I, my brain wasn't working properly. I felt like I was doing too many things, struggling too many things, and I was letting things slip. And anyway. Yeah, I think that's very common. And I really didn't think about it for my own self. So I I was complaining about something one day and this has been years ago and someone said, "Well, maybe you have adult ADHD." And I was like, "No, I don't." But then when I started analyzing my behavior, I thought, "Wow, maybe I do." So I, you know, this is way sidetracking, so but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the story anyway. So, you know, we were talking about phones and your acquaintance who locked the phone away. I put mine away. I was that woman who during commercials, if I'm watching TV, because we still have like um, a satellite kind of thing, I'd pick up my phone. And then when the show came back on, I'd put it back down. And I think this is nuts. I do not need to be stimulated all the time. I totally agree with you. Yes. And we've decided to keep our phones in another room. They're not in our bedroom at night, which I mentioned on another another episode. So that's, you know, if you wake up and you're like, oh, I wonder what time it is. And then you get distracted by something else anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So one of our other solutions for how to stop hurrying is just what we're saying to be present. And, you know, whether it's with your friend, I had uh, dinner with some friends this week. And so my phone was with me and I heard it like ding, but it was work at first to be like, okay, if someone really needs me, they'll call because the ding was just a text message. I don't need to check that. So I remained present with the people I was with. And that's I've seen so many people. Um, that's just almost impossible. You have to be really intentional with it. Was it tugging at you? Like, hey, Amelia. Pick oh, up. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it totally was. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. The other thing on our list is try not to be all things to all people because, you know, that's just crazy perfectionism. <laughs> you don't need to do that. Yeah, it really is, Cam. And I thought that, I mean, it's probably been in the only in the last couple of years that I've realized this truth for me. And it you know, I guess for everybody, but I really wanted to be liked. I wanted to do a good job. I wanted the people, especially in the work environment, to say I was doing a good job. I wanted to be my kids to appreciate me as their mother and my husband to appreciate me as a wife. And I still want those things to be true, but I don't have to, I don't have to please everyone all the time. And um, that's, that's kind of hard as well. But I think it's important to realize that someone's always going to be unhappy. 
happy and you, it doesn't have to make you unhappy just because they're unhappy. Yeah, I totally remember exactly what you were describing. It reminds me at the top of our show today, we we're trying to have the perfect life. And I think I was juggling all the things at the expense of myself just to like, I don't know. I don't need, I don't even know. I was just doing all the things because that's what you do. You do all the things and it was all hurried. <laughs> it, it was all hurried. And again, you know, just like you were just saying, it might be that we don't know what the goal is. It's some loose illusion of perfection that we're chasing. And so that's another thing is this perfectionism tendency. And I've learned again, as part of my new job, um, perfection doesn't have to be the goal. Sometimes good enough is the goal. And my husband is the captain of this and he's an engineer. So, you know, (laughs) I'm really surprised he has this attitude, but sometimes with um, things around the house and so forth, he's like, is it good enough? And I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe it is. And so accepting good enough is so such a relief. Like here, here's a prime example, Cam. I have dogs that shed. So I have to vacuum not infrequently, but there are days where I'm like, I vacuum two rooms fully intending to do like all the rooms. And for that day, maybe the two rooms is just enough because I'm out of energy and I'm like, okay, well that's, I'll have to pick it up later. Because I'm not doing the rest to make the house look perfect just for me and my husband. So just a really silly example. But realizing that we don't have to be perfect all the time is a blessing. It is a blessing. We use Alexa. And so we have a good night and a good morning routine. So if you say Alexa, good morning, she does like the weather and whatever. And then at the end, she has a few quotes. And one of them is, it's better to be done than perfect. <laughs> and we program that into her to say that because I think Dan and I are both that way. Like we want to do it the right way, quote unquote, right. Who, who says it's right or wrong? But anyway, just as a reminder, you know, don't be perfect. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, and you need that. Like mm-hmm. you need some sort of reminder because sometimes if you want it to be perfect, it never gets done because it's never perfect. And that's no good either. Yeah. And that's procrastination. And then you might have a deadline that you have to hurry to get it <laughs> done. It's just a, right. it's a chasing your tail. <laughs> it is chasing your tail, but isn't that what hurry is? So, you know, the, the anatomy of hurry is that it is somewhat self-created, aided by cultural expectations, but we can say no and we can find a pace of life that's good for us. Thanks for listening today. You can find us on Instagram at midlife.mamas. For all of our other contact info, check out the show description below and we will talk to you next week.